0: Support Wrestle
2: Talk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey,
0: it's professional wrestler Colt, Boom Boom, Gabbana. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Bat Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Lou Gowen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is and whoever Lou Gowen is, Support the Ravens. more.
1: Rebel, now
2: hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Mr. Davis and I'm joined by
3: lukewarm Luke Owen. Hello, Swath Nation, and <clears throat> a hello to you, Mr. Davis. How the devil are you? Oh, man. You know how I
2: was really cocky about Blue Monday not affecting me and I was on a run, and then the Hobbs went down, and then I. I t- I just feel like everything's going wrong at the moment.
3: Oh no. What else is going wrong in your life? I, d- I don't know.
2: I actually can't outline specifically <laughs> one single thing. Just if anything, like... everything's okay. I just feel like I'm in a rut. And I said yeah, it. I, just... I said it. I freaking said this on Saturday. I, I stood back in the kitchen after we were, we prepared a pretty nice breakfast that day. And I said to my lady partner, I know this is going to come back to bite me, but things are going pretty well for us right now.
3: <laughs> Do you think it's a case of you're just bored of lockdown now? Like, because my like, it my wife be. and I were having this, my wife and I were having this conversation last night. We were watching um, uh, Best Home Cook, Celebrity Best Home Cook, which, by the way, absolutely terrific show. Just just loving it currently.
2: I think the final round where it's all done blind is a genius move so good right it's great you can't take what? into account the rest of the series and how they act it's, it's a really smart fair way of doing it i think
3: yeah controversially i think it's better than bake-off <sighs> you just love to be a contrarian sometimes don't been, you it's not been a cr- i just think it's better than bake-off let that get the dead air <laughs> it deserves <laughs> Um, but yeah, my wife and I were just having a chat last night. We were watching um, uh, the interior designer show as well with uh, Alan Carr. And we were just like, you know what? I think I'm just, I'm bored of it now. Like I'm I'm pretty much just done with it. I- I've been working the whole time. I've been you know very fortunate in the fact that I've constantly had work throughout this. Very fortunate in the fact that my wife has also had work throughout all of this. We have never gone hungry. We have never struggled to like you know financially or anything like that people have had it way worse off than we have done however I'm now bored and mm. it's it's got to the point now where the weekend is essentially just a really long lunch break yeah it's also similar yeah, and I was, yeah. I'm just wondering if that's why you're sort of feeling a bit down. Because like my wife was saying, she was feeling a bit down today, She was like, "I feel just a bit blue. I feel like a bit mm. of, like a, a ball, a ball of wool that's just been pulled ever so slightly, so it's just a bit frayed around the edges. Nothing's wrong. I just feel a bit. Don't know. Yeah, just just need a change of scenery.
2: But there's mm. no end in sight. What a <laughs> what a cheery open to this. you know what? A W genuinely is a little. Island of escapism uh, mm-hmm. at a weekly time slot i I love love, love it, and I am very grateful for that company's existence. it would be It would be pretty bleak if mm. they weren't around to get a lot of you know wrestling fans like us through lockdown.
3: Well, we did actually have an email in uh, on the subject of your uh, troubles and strives that said, uh, Yo, Luke and Ollie, TexF native here. Quick question What the F is a hob? Is it the same thing as a stovetop, AKA a burner? Context clues from the Raw Review end segment would imply that a hob is more like a countertop appliance, similar to a mm. blender or microwave. But your description what? is very similar to the burners on a stovetop, of which there are four built into the top of the surface of the oven. I realized that I could easily just Google this, but I never did. <laughs> easy way keep up the consistently consistent consistency jam that hole yes please p.s courtney's uh, courtney loves band hole plan to reunite and perform nia Jax's entrance theme live on the ramp of wrestlemania brandon powell
2: that has to happen brandon all the whole references uh maybe they'll do a screen the titan tron will be of the was it a joe dante movie called holes
3: oh i know what you mean yeah, yeah you know yeah, the yeah, one yeah. i mean mm-hmm. if
2: it wasn't directed by joe dante it might as well have been. Um, yes, uh, you are correct. And this, I, I appreciate the roundabout way of Googling something you've had. And that is to, instead of just type it into a search bar, email in a podcast, get them to answer it for you. Yeah, it's a, stove top. it's a stovetop. It's a stovetop. But because I think I told Luke this off air, when I searched Amazon for replacement hobs, I got, you know, stovetop, stovetop. Fast and Furious DVD, Luke Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw, and then it was Stovetop, Stovetop, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. I was like, Good God, I'm not going. I don't want to get that, make
3: that mistake, (laughs) not again. Um, Yes, so I hope that answers your question. Uh, It should do. Anyway, that's all uh, we've got for now. Now Now it's oh my God, it's falling apart. Now it's time to go into the main show itself. talking about AEW, cracking show. Here it is.
2: Last night's episode of AEW Dynamite might not have been the most spectacular they've had in the last three months because, my God, they've had quite a few amazing TV specials. But I will argue that this was the closest we've got to the AEW attitude era on this show. We had a no-sell of a kidnapping. We had Darby Allin in a body bag towed around a car park. By a car, shades of big boss man and the big show feud, and an epic main event where they brawled all around the stadium into the kitchen area, loads of insane moves through tables and little bits of stages and run ins and overbooked fun and potatoes. I'm Mr. Davis. I'm joined by lukewarm Lou Luke Cohen.
3: Was it spudtacular? It was top it was top spud stuff oh it was so And like you were right i, I was kind of the one who said like god that, that match really did feel like an attitude era style match and not just because it was this wild like it wasn't just a, a crazy brawl we've seen brawls like you know when uh, aw first started they had that wall between the elite and the inner circle do you remember this like when they were brawling around like the popcorn vendors and things yes. like that like you know that was a wild brawl this was like they brawl to one area they do some fighting there then they brawl into a kitchen area and honestly it felt like i was playing a video game and we've just we've just reviewed St. valentine's day massacre for the patreon um and in that you've got the hardcore match between bob holly and al snow where they're kind of like they start brawling through the crowd and then they brawl into the backstage and then they brawl outside the building And then they brawl down to the mississippi river and then they fall into the mississippi river and then it's like it's like just crazy nonsense stuff that's what this felt like. This felt like an attitude era hardcore match, but it also had the Attitude Era star power. The thing mm. that everyone talks about when they talk about how good the Attitude Era was. It wasn't, it wasn't the quality of the matches, it was the star power involved. And when this match started, like Kenta made his entrance, and I was like, it's so crazy seeing Kenza here. Like that's nuts. And then all of a sudden Kenny Omega comes out and I'm like, Oh my God, like Kenny Omega's here as well. This is, this is so cool. Lance Archer comes out and you're like, this has got some, that was, this is a big dude. Look, Jake, the snake Roberts is there. And then Moxley's music hits. And my first note I've written here is like, this is nuts. Good Lord. Everything about this feels big time. And it's like, and I, I just loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it.
2: And by the end of the match, the good brothers come in. There's the evil tag team to help the heels win. There's sort of the look. St. Valentine's Day Massacre, 1999, McMahon, Austin, the Ministry, the Corporation. These things are fresh in mine and Luke's memory. So maybe we are just having a bit of recency bias in what we're seeing on AEW Dynamite and what we've just reviewed for Patreon, uh, which will go up tomorrow, Talk Extra? It's going up tomorrow, in fact, yes. How's that for a plug? But it's like AEW, like you said, have done these things before where not just with that initial brawl when it was the elite feud in with the inner circle but that amazing street fight between santana and ortiz and best friends and i really really like that butcher blade and young bucks match as well you know where there was sort of a fools count anywhere but it was just top to bottom this entire show that like the attitude era in wwe wwf back then was star power crazy storylines that's what it was you know austin rock undertaker kane mr mcmahon mick Foley's mankind like this crazy concentration of star power and those wrestlers were booked to get over hard they were protected it was just a brilliant combination of people but the storylines as exciting as they were didn't make a lick of sense if you followed them week to week and the in-ring matches by and large were really really bad. What AEW has here is a fantastic sort of medium level of in-ring action, particularly in that like the main event stuff was insane. I thought the opener was excellent too, as was the women's match. Uh, plenty of other things going on, but the storylines are so coherent. It's like a coherent version of the of the Attitude Era. It's like whatever fueled. Those booking meetings back in the Attitude era. Here, it's water, comic books, and coffee. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, it was like the, I loved this brawl. I loved this fight. Like John John Moxley literally potatoed Kenny Omega at one point. Be- like you love to see it, and you. Well, you've got to explain like, what that is because okay, we haven't discussed so, the spot. So. Kent, like so, they're brawling through like this kitchen area, and uh, Moxley and Kenta are like fighting on top of these. I would argue, probably, I-, I would have rethought this spot because what they were fighting on were like tables on wheels, and they were there was three of these tables on wheels, and the referee has only got two hands, so he's trying to steady two hands and use the third one to see. Because and then Kenta hits the DDT, and all of a sudden they basically just split apart because of course they were going to. What were you thinking? <laughs> But in all of this, Moxley then grabs a potato, an actual potato because they're in a kitchen, and he hit Kenny Omega with it. He literally potatoed him. I laughed out loud. It was so funny because we all laugh, we're wrestling fans. And then you've got JR going like, he literally potatoed him. I'm like, thanks, Jim. Thanks to be there to explain the joke for us all. It was, but it's quite a rare thing. And there was a lot of
2: spots like this where it's, the hardcore element is so zany, it's veering into the comedic or the buffoonery, which, you know, certain commentators very much dislike. However, I thought they struck the balance perfectly because I never thought, even with that potato spot, I think it was Lance Archer who first emptied the bin of potatoes onto Kenny Omega and then, of course, Moxley followed up with the potato punch. Like, I never thought this is a comedic spot. I just thought, yeah. Frickin' more violence, hit each other with stuff. So it played perfectly, seriously. uh, And it was just so exciting as a main event.
3: Yeah, and it, like they brawl back into the arena again and they're brawling up onto the stage. Kenny and like Moxley have this wicked like you know, series of moves and stuff, and it ends up with Moxley being put onto the table at ringside. And then you cut upwards and Kenta and Lance Archer brawl out of the entranceway. So you kind of got like these two fo- two forces of just battle from different sides of the arena. And they do a little bit. Ken, um, yeah. Archer like, teases putting Kenta through the announce table. And Kenta escapes, and then rather than attacking Archer, runs and does this diving footstop off the stage onto Kenny Omega. Did you see um, You've seen Austin Gunn on Twitter? He filmed it on his phone in slow motion, using the slow-mo feature. So you see, like, Ken just going like and like the whole like slow-motion thing. And at the end of it, it just pans over, there's just Kenny Omega going like this. I was... <laughs> so so good
2: what i liked about that spot of course the spot itself but kenta was about to go through the announcers table and as that was being set up i thought have i ever seen anyone go through the
3: aew announcers desk have you so maybe not since the covid era maybe it must have happened did it has it happened it must have happened at some point surely But you think of all the times people go through announcers'
2: tables, and I thought, oh, actually, this is quite a protected feature in AEW. (laughs) Um, People get pushed around there if someone's on guest commentary or the the, the timekeeping area gets the crap kicked out of it. At least once a show, someone goes there. It's the Spanish Uh, announce table of AEW. But there were so many other amazing spots in this, like uh, Kenny Omega got a, a trash can. He did. He put the trash can over the ring post in the corner, hit the you cannot escape on John Moxley, I believe it was. But in so doing, picked up the trash can from the corner
3: and moonsaulted with it. It was just
2: perfect action.
3: And I loved Callison on commentary in all of this. I've always adored Callison on commentary, commentary on Camus. And um, he was like he. Gets over character so so well mm. in all of this. You know, like I was talking about how like MVP was amazing on the commentary on Raw when he was like putting over both guys in the ring, but also putting over his guy. And I felt that like Callis was doing that. And there's one point during this at the start where Excalibur goes, God, you look at Kenta in there, and it's hard to believe we're seeing Ken, we're seeing Kenta in an AEW ring. And Don Callus goes, I can believe it. I've been planning this for four years. And it was just like and just getting over, just getting over that story and getting over his character. And have you seen the press conference um, that they did? Oh, I haven't, to? no. So they did like a, a press conference, like a mock press conference thing with Callis, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And like this reporter asks a question and they're like, no, I'm not mm-hmm. answering this, we're leaving. And then the guy's like, no, no, no. I just want to ask one more question. Do you have any response to comments that have been made by Jay White, Tamatonga and Tonga Lower? And like they sort of literally put like put it off in like who are those guys? I'm not sure. Oh, uh. those are the those are the other guys. And he has this line where he's like, "Look, we're all we're all fighting for each other. What I want everyone to do is to go and buy Bullet Club merchandise. Let's let's try and get them back into the top twenty of pro wrestling teams. I know, I know we can all do it together." And he's like, well, and the- he was like. Good, the Good Brothers and, and Kenny, they left Bullet Club and that allowed this midcard to make themselves into main eventers. So actually, it was a good thing that we left, but now we're all back together. So it's all great and stuff. Crap in heck! I
2: even want to see the heels fight heels. This is the whole storyline is <laughs> so engaging. At the end of the uh, match, uh, after some surprising Jake the Snake Roberts physical involvement, a <laughs> short-armed clotheslined Carl Anderson. I think when Jake the Snake goes to get physical with someone, you just want it to be like a straight-up punch or something, right? Not a a little twirl and a short arm pull into into a lariat. I can
3: I can do the main breaker too, kid.
2: <laughs> so he'll be doing like, uh, you know, double axe handles off the top next. But I, yeah, that that was cool, uh, but he got beaten up. They were going to tease that they were going to do it more, but Archer came in. It took all four guys beating down Archer to pin him with a sort of assisted one-winged angel at the end. But yeah, so, you know, Kenta and Omega at the start clashed with each other because they both wanted to get at Moxley. But by the end, they were working together. Yeah, so I guess the Bullet Club are kind of on the same page, but there is definite infighting there still. What I would say, as, as a criticism, and to further your, your point on star power, obviously Kenny Omega, Moxley, Archer, they have star power. I've got to admit, if I wasn't familiar with Kenta from New Japan, as you've got to assume the vast majority of TNT viewers are for Dynamite, you know just looking at the numbers of new japan subscriptions etc there's not much of a crossover there although there is a vocal one kenta was very poorly built up in this as was the iwgp us championship i can i like moxley's suddenly got a belt they didn't like where was the video package where was the explanation promo about kenta why isn't someone sitting down explaining who he is with some new japan footage recapping the feud with Moxley, not just on commentary, but as like a
3: proper thing. Yeah, and it, I, I think we can, you know, make this argument as well with FTR. Like when FTR debuted, there were a lot of people who'd only seen FTR as the revival on the main roster. They hadn't seen any of their amazing stuff they did in NXT. So when FTR came in, there was almost like this, like, okay, it's time to prove me wrong then. Almost like, rather than them being like, oh, we're going to go back there and make it be amazing. It was more like the, some fans had the aspect of like, well, now it's time for you to show me why you're apparently so good. And the first match they had was fine. And we both said, like, it's not like the most amazing in-ring AEW debut for them. Obviously, they've then gone on to have like five-star and six-star classics and and whatnot like that. But that first match is always going to stay, stay with people. And I think you can make the same argument with Kensa here, which is that, yeah, this match was amazing. But this match wasn't designed to make Kensa look amazing. It wasn't like if you've only seen his WWE stuff, then you're not going to watch this and be like, I'm not sure why everyone's that mad about him, aside from the fact it was a really fun match. I, I, which I, I would totally, I would totally get as a criticism. Hey everyone, it's Luke Owen here from the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Just letting you know that the video versions of the Wrestle Talk Podcast is now on a new and exclusive home. If you've been watching the Wrestle Talk Podcast video version uh, for the last four years, you'll have known it was on Wrestle Talk. But because of YouTube algorithms and uploads and blah de blah views, etc., etc., we've been instructed by some very, very smart, intelligent algorithm boffins that our uploads are kind of like they're butchering some of the plays. So, what we've done is we've now moved the Wrestle Talk podcast off of Wrestle Talk and are putting it on an exclusive YouTube home Wrestle Talk podcast. Nothing else is changing. You're still going to get your pay per view reviews, Raw, AEW, SmackDown, the magazine show with myself and Denise. If you do watch the video version of these podcasts, By the time Elimination Chamber rolls around, it will only be available to find on the WrestleTalk Podcast channel. Don't go to WrestleTalk, you'll only find the WrestleTalk News there. WrestleTalk Podcast channel. But if you just search WrestleTalk Podcast, you should still be able to find it. That's all from me. Thanks everyone. Enjoy the rest of the show.
2: Let's see what you guys think in the Omega Chats. Go over to wrestletalk.com forward slash support to get your Omega Chats in. We'll read out every single one of them before the end of the show. Luke Retalick says, John Moxley has the stiffest potato shot. Stiffest. is the stiffest. Stuff my hole. Job at JJ496. Hello, lads. Not a Ultra Chat or a Omega Chat, but a potato.
3: I don't understand the pun. Well, I mean, he said potato, and there was the potato in the match. But where's the (laughs) chat? He's
2: talking about different kinds of chats. The potato chats.
3: There you go, potato
2: chat. Mika Pellegrini, Omega and Mox, has been a storyline since May 2019, 21. Months ago, and it is easily one of the hottest stories in wrestling. Amazing stuff from AEW, storytelling done right. My only problem is in AEW, I don't know who Kenta is or any of the non AEW stars.
3: Yeah, it's absolutely, that's exactly it. Yeah, you cannot make these shows with the assumption that people are watching everything we've actually said this before with wwe like you like Mm -hmm. in the olden days but they used to bring up people from nxt they would often just bring them up with the exact same gimmick emma's the one that i always come back to as a great example of this emma's dancing gimmick where she was just doing the crazy dance got over massively in nxt so they just transported straight to the main roster and they were like cool now everyone else do it And there were a lot of people, like I would say 90% of the people, because NXT wasn't, it wasn't the watched NXT that it is now. It was the really, no one is really watching NXT. It was just like about 30 people, this rabid hardcore audience for it. And all of a sudden, the, the large majority of them watched have been like, the hell is this dancing gimmick? Like This is rubbish. This is stupid. But if you did on video packages showing how it got over in NXT, then it might have transposed into the main roster. And I completely agree here. You cannot expect everyone is watching New Japan or Impact. You have got to kind of like, you've got to tell these stories through video packages and, and interviews.
2: Nate S says, Mox doing his best Shane McMahon impression. Love this episode, especially this match. Cannot wait to see where this story goes from here. Did you see the post-show interview with Don Kenny bros talking about Bullet Club. Don is excellent. Yeah, yes, we it was already so, so great. covered there was, that. Um,
3: someone actually uh, got one of the lines that I missed that really made me laugh. Ah, there it is. Yeah, which is like, uh, those are the guys not making money, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was Kenny's line about the other Bullet Club. <laughs>
2: And Bo Hill, finally, for now, I am so glad for everyone, especially him, that Kenta now has a chance to change his legacy in the U.S. and he hopefully won't be remembered as Hideo Atami, but as the insanely talented wrestler he actually is. And Jesus Christ, that double stomp onto Mox! I oh, was so poor. Table did not break though, so Keta yeah. and Mox just took the full run of it. It was the Japanese table that followed Kenta into the into the arena. Well, it's Thursday. You know what that means? It's the play-by-play Dynamite review. Uh, it opened with Darby Allen versus Joey Janela for that TNT Championship match, where last week they had a segment where Team Taz are like, we're going to be there. And Sting was like, I'm going to be there too. And neither of them were there. None of them were there, which, you know, was weird. Uh, But I really liked this match. I was expecting a total hardcore, dangerous style uh, sort of story for this match because the history of both guys, Alan and Janela, they're like deathmatch wrestlers extraordinaire. But what we got was a really, really nice in-ring match, really decently worked, Uh, great story. Joey's a bit bigger. He used his muscle to get over Alan. Alan focused on Janela's arm. And in the end... It was, you know, they didn't use any weapons. It was, if anything, they used the ropes as weapons, sort of kicking the rope into each other's faces at points. But Darby Allen won with a an avalanche code red off the second turnbuckle. That's where we're at with Allen. That is a restrained move for Darby Allen, hitting a code red off the second rope and then he tucks Janella's arm the one he's been working over under his body and then hits the coffin drop onto him i thought that was such a such a nice finish i really like this yeah. match alan retains yeah
3: really liked it as well i think if i'm to be hypercritical uh, about this because the the story that was set up on last week's show was that team taz were going to interfere and sting was going to be there to stop them i would have had sting in derby's corner basically just mm-hmm. like you know to be the enforcer to be out there to be like you know just stand there with the baseball bat don't get involved in the match just be out there to watch and to make sure that team Taz don't interfere then after the match you can have the tony schiavone interview segment and darby can leave and walk to the back and that's when you then do the team taz thing where they capture him and they drag him in the body bag because it the, so, the story doesn't quite connect itself with what was set up last week into this match and then the following segments after whereas it it could have been tied together a bit more bit nicer however the one thing i really really enjoyed about this is that there was no interference this was a clean match with a clean finish and that is always going to get a big thumbs up in my book
2: yeah we'll talk about the sting stuff uh, shortly when that comes up because that happened a bit later mox cuts a great promo holding his iwgp united states title i popped huge for seeing the new japan championship over his shoulder but at the same time this is what we talked about earlier It's going to be highly confusing to people who don't know what a new Japan is, which you've got to assume is everybody. Because
3: what is it, Luke? Everyone's issue? Oh, it's the the Stan Lee comment. So Stan Lee uh, always used to say that um, everyone everyone's first comic oh no every comic is someone's first comic book so you've got to like you've got to treat every comic book like it's someone's first issue they've ever read you can't just assume that everyone has read everything that has come beforehand so yeah so i think you should also do that with this do you remember, like remember when they first started and they were using like the triple a tag titles for like double or nothing and you know, all out and there were a lot of people who've been like guys don't just randomly bring in belts because it is going to confuse some audience because they haven't been used those belts on TV since. Like Omega's not carrying around the the, the uh, AAA Mega Championship, even though he is mm. the champion. You have got to pick your spots on when you're carrying these belts around. Definitely.
2: Uh, after that, we got Sammy Guevara going to confront MJF. This was after the bit last week where the Inner Circle, like Sammy stormed off because he didn't like what MJF was doing. Jericho went after him and the door closed as MJF was going to have a private word with the rest of the Inner Circle members. So this was following on from them. Sammy brings in the cameraman because he's like, I want you to record this and see this. I like how they get over that. There's a reason for the cameraman there to be filming these segments, these private moments between two wrestlers. Adds a lot to the believability. But Sammy says, look, I know you're trying to take over the inner circle. MJF gaslit Sammy back saying, what are you talking about? It's all in your head. And then he he effectively gets Sammy to say, "I I hate Chris Jericho. I want to take over the inner circle for myself. And MJF's like recorded this on his phone. He says, I've got what I wanted. And Sammy goes, What, what are you talking about? No, you can't record me saying that. And he grabs the phone, smashes it against the wall, and punches
3: MJF in the gut. It's, it, it did work, aside from the fact the cameraman was also there. So the cameraman was also recording that. So it, it, it doesn't fully work. It sort of well, did. here's, yeah, because I've heard this criticism a lot and
2: in my head that mjf's plan wasn't to use the sound recording mjf like look look back over the last couple of months how subtly he's played it in every segment even segments like when no one's supposed to be watching he's still like he plays it sincerely so why would he then really over the top go well that's what i wanted to hear well stop recording i'm walking off with my phone now it's so obvious that mjf was 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 laying a trap for sammy to smash his phone and punch him in the gut and that's on camera that's
1: on camera and now
3: mjf can show jericho that footage yeah that makes total sense to me that does make total sense i will admit on that one i was wrong I think you've actually completely nailed that. Uh, I'm going to hold my hands up on that when I was wrong on that. You, I think you've, you've totally nailed it. I loved it later on when, when Sammy said, like, you know, when Sammy quits the inner circle following the match, this smirk on MJF's face. It's, so, it's only like a couple of frames where he just sort of goes, mm, got it right. I, I, I got what I wanted. And then, and then he just goes, Chris, oh no. Oh, mm. God, oh no, he's quit. Chris Jericho
2: has pointed out in the past that he watches Dynamite. You know, so he is aware of the segments that he's not a part of. So I, I appreciated this. Uh, next up we got Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson, who has a long losing streak on Dark, getting a sort of dynamite debut, versus Peter Avalon and uh Caesar Caesar Bononi, who used to be an NXT, really big Brazilian guy, great look. Um and they had a tag match. Apparently, Cody got injured during this. He he uh, sort of tweaked his shoulder. The, the report is from AEW themselves that he's got a partially torn rotator cuff, which could be pretty serious if he's expected to do the bulk of the work in that match with the celebrity, the other person who's never wrestled, and the very green uh, red velvet. He was sort of meant and- to be the ring general there.
3: And let's not forget that that person who hasn't had a lot of matches underneath her belt is there because the person who was originally supposed to be in that match is no longer in that match. Like, I don't think you want to have then another replacement in the match.
2: Mm. But uh, this sort of set up Johnson to win. Uh, and, he, and he got the one. And I, it was really nice to see him win. I'm not that familiar with the guy. I haven't seen much of him on Dark. What I have, is the, he had the Ben Carter match, which was phenomenal. And he looks really good. But, and he put this out like he was crying that he got this mm-hmm. this tag team win. And then at the top of the ramp, Tony interviews him. AW put it over huge and he thanks everyone. He feels like he's part of the Rhodes family. Dustin, Brandy, Arn, and QT Marshall is just standing right behind him. Great little bit of character work there. There's got to be a feud bubbling away there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people said like, oh, "I hope you spot QT Marshall's like uh, reaction to the to the Johnson promo." What I really liked about this is that this wasn't Johnson getting worked over by the heels to lead to a Cody hot tag it was Cody getting worked over to lead to the Johnson hot tag so that he could run wild. Like all of the shine was given to this kid that they're, you know, they're grooming to be a potential top star in the company, which is what AEW are doing a lot of at the moment. AEW was essentially a mix of WWE's main roster and NXT, where they're mm. having like your established stars that were putting on storylines, but also here's some up and coming talent that we're trying to make into future stars. And they're just going to be mixing it up with all of our current talents that we've got as well. Like this, this, felt like Cody had gone to NXT to work with some of the NXT boys. Because it was like, you know, and and Peter Avalon, you know, and and the same thing with with Cesar Bononi. And I really, really liked that about this. I know some people are kind of like a bit critical of Cody because he's always putting himself over or like he works too much and then he's, you know, going to be a bit injury prone. But I kind of think this is one of those examples that you can show that Cody is not Cody is never doing anything just for himself. He is only ever doing things for the, the best of the company.
2: There was another interesting wrinkle to this. At the start of the match, before it got underway, Cody went over to a, uh, a, Arn Anderson's son at ringside, mm-hmm. Arn Anderson's son, who appears to be about five years younger than Arn Anderson. He's just, <laughs> you know, like how I think, I think Arn Anderson came out of the womb, fully formed as today Arn Anderson, and his mm-hmm. son seems exactly the same. That sort of just like just tough-looking badass, and uh, he shakes his hand and they put over, look, that's, that's Arn's son. He's training to be a wrestler right now, part of the Nightmare family, presumably, recruit number 1,267. And this comes just a few days after Arn Anderson's podcast, where he spoke about being very excited for a future plan where he's going to manage a new tag team. And mm-hmm. I look at this segment and I think, is it Johnson and his son?
3: Hey, do you know what? It could be. Yeah, it might. Yeah, might be onto something there. Um, I mean, yeah, he looks awesome. This this Brock Anderson kid, like, just like not like it was in, as a wrestler, but just like like you said, like Arn Anderson. He, he looks exactly like Arn Anderson, basically. Um, so I'm excited to see what they what he what they're going to do with him actually, and see what this does lead to with with him or with Arn Anderson. <laughs> and yeah, well, I'm stoked for it, man. Uh, after
2: this, we got a backstage segment where the Bucks sort of confronted the good brothers in an interview segment with Dasha Fuentes and they were sort of disagreeing over the battle Royal last week to decide the number one contenders. And the Bucks were like, we were going to pick you if we won. Why did you throw us out? And the good brothers, you know, perfectly reasonably explained, Hey, our beef was with private party. We got rid of them. That's not on us. If you got distracted. So they sort of patch things up, but then the Bucks said, well, we're getting a bit angsty. Let's, Let's defend our tag team championships next week. Let's do it against Santana and Ortiz because the idea was Santana and Ortiz disrespected them during the match. Did they do the Young Bucks pose? Good Brothers riled them up to do. So now we're in a position, I didn't like this. We're we're in a position now where a team that lost the Battle Royal the previous week is getting a title shot two weeks after. But, you know, maybe you can see could it should not it shouldn't be for the title but it is what it is what annoys me more is that the inner circle had that match to decide the official tag team of the inner circle and it's jericho and mjf
3: yeah i mean that was gonna be my point on this was they had that match the uh the tornado the triple threats tag team match to decide who was going to be the official team of inner circle then the following week all three of those teams were in the battle royal where they could become the number one contenders for the pay-per-view. And then the following week after that, one of those teams that didn't win are getting a title shot. So it, so what was the point of the match then? What was the point of the original match?
2: Yeah, I don't know. And it's, I mean, I get, I get it from a, a story perspective where you beat the lesser tag team in the inner circle to go on to, to then have the title match at Revolution against Jericho and MJF. But it just, it, it, maybe it should never have been billed as the official tag team of the Inner Circle. It should just be the top dog tag team in the Inner Circle. Yeah,
3: yeah. because that's like it. I know that Santana and Ortiz, I'm pretty sure they were given this title shot because of the ranking system. And they're like, I think they're like the ranked number one team or something. So that's why the Bucks picked them out. But also at the same time, they're more like, if they're the official team, why are they part of the rank? I, I think it adds, it adds a lot of questions that don't really need to be there. And yeah, I think you're right. Like it was adding into that storyline wrinkle that we're the official tag team of the Inner Circle that was decided by a match that has sort of like added a lot of the confusion to this.
2: After that, we got part one of, I was going to say my favourite thing on the show, but I had like eight different favourite things on the show. Definitely one of them. Matt Hardy said, hey, I just can't stop thinking about our win last week. It was great. How about we go out for drinks later? And Page is like, Hangman Page is like, I don't know. And he's like, eh, the drinks are on me. And Paige's like, all right then, I'm there. And then Page walks off to get his bag and he walks into the Dark Order. And it's just that awkward sort of, oh, no, I, I'm just going to go for drinks with Matt now. Look, nice to see you. Oh, and John Silver just, oh, I just wanted to reach through the screen and
3: hug him. And I've said this before, but because he looks like Pete, it makes it even harder to, to <laughs> see his little heartbreak every single time. It's very well done. Oh, uh, there's more of that so later. Good. So mm. lovely.
2: Uh, then we got. Not, I've not got much to say on this, other than Pack is great. This was mm. an excellent squash match. Pack just came out and destroyed Ryan Nemeth for
3: about three minutes. Yep. i I've got two notes really, which is he knocks Nemeth out cold, still hit the black arrow and brutalizer for the win. Like he basically yeah. had the, the the match was over. Like he knocked him out. He's like moving, he was like, oh no, he's dead. <laughs> I think I'll hit the other black <laughs> arrow then. Oh, I mean, that's probably more dead. So I'll lock in the brutalizer instead. Yeah. I lo- yeah, he was passed out. I love that pack is a heel. <laughs> he's
2: just <laughs> he's just a bastard. But we love him for it. Uh Ryan nemeth interestingly tweeted out that he used to babysit for Brodie Lee Jr. Used to babysit for hmm. Brody Lee Jr. And he was in town and it was, is it Amanda, uh Brody's wife? Yeah. She said, Hey, why don't you do some wrestling for dynamite? And you know, they hooked him up, and that's why he's done the the last two weeks of TV.
3: Oh, nice. I didn't know that. That's cute.
2: Yeah, that's what he tweeted out after the show. Just lovely. Uh, then we got highlights of the the wedding from last week and Miro said he's going to have his revenge. Cuts back to Orange Cassidy and Chucky T enjoying some champagne, being like, they should have guessed that Cassidy was going to come out the cake.
3: Of course I was going to come out the cake. <laughs> come on. Should have seen that a mile away. I thought Miro's it's promo still going. was really good. It is still yes. going, but I thought Miro's promo was very good. I'm I'm ready to see the end of this now. Oh, me too, mate. Ooh, oh, oh, Mister
2: Davis. Me too. But while while that I'm trying to segue this all this work while that has sort I've exhausted my patience. Nah, it's not going to work. I really like the acclaimed is what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> because like you know when they first debuted and they were doing the rapping, I was like, I, did, I did cool. Cool, whatever i I don't know if it's working. something happened on this show they come apparently they were great on dark
3: as well, which I haven't seen, but I'm gonna watch that segment. They come out and it, they just they were amazing mm-hmm. Like, you want to talk about a team that's just come out just already feeling fully formed. Where it's like, oh my God, you're already, like, you're already, like, one of the best acts in the company. Like, you literally just walk through the door and you're like, here's our act. We're so different from everyone else. Here is how we're different from everyone else. And you're like, oh my God, you're just a fully formed team. And I love it. It's great.
2: Yeah, so they had a match against Jericho and MJF uh, because, was it Max Caster, who lasted till the end of the Battle Royal with them uh, yeah, the previous he eliminated
3: week? eliminated MJF, yeah.
2: And, you know, they MJF here, the story was he is massively selling this gut punch. You know, that one gut punch that Sammy gave him. He's got his ribs taped up. He's like he's he's out of breath. He's really struggling to move around the ring. So it's pretty much Jericho doing most of the work here before the match started as well. There was a pre-match promo where Jericho was like, where's Sammy? Why isn't Sammy here? So but he was doing it in such like a concerned fatherly way. Not an angry yeah. heel mob boss way.
3: Yeah, it was really, really nice because he was like, because, you know, they had their match coming up, but MJF wasn't there. And then Santana on T's come up and they're like, he's literally just come out of the trainer's room. And he's like, from a gut punch. And he comes mm-hmm. at me with a big tape over him and everything. But I thought they did some, you know, they still did some nice, like, heel shenanigans within this match, including one of my favorite spots, one of my favorite heel spots, which is when you get someone in an abdominal stretch and then you look over <laughs> to your tag partner. While the referee is distracted, you hold your hand out and they grab the hand. It's like, oh, and now it's on even tighter. Oh, no. (laughs) What worked about that so well? They used the corner cam. It was like (laughs) on the ring post. He was reaching out. That was so funny. And there's at least one of my all time favorite bits of that, which is when the referee spots them and the referee gives the big kick to the hands. They can do like the big, whoa, no, and then like the the baby face and reverse (laughs) it all. It's lovely heel stuff. Um, but the
2: yeah the acclaimed pretty much worked face here despite being a heel act. MJF overly selling the gut punch. A lot of a lot of weird dynamics in this actually that really really worked. Uh, Jericho though I guess the argument is he is a former AW World Champion. He can pretty much beat the acclaimed single handedly. But they give it they gave him a good go at it, uh, including a lion's salt where he was hit with the boombox. So the acclaimed yeah. tried to cheat the win, but Hager. Uh, interfered as well judas elbow jericho and mjf win but it was a good match one that i actually thought the acclaimed might win on a few occasions
3: yeah i thought i had some really nice near falls in all of this but obviously the right team went over they're the team that's going for the title also at revolution they should be the ones picking up the win here so yeah i thought this really really worked as a whole segment and then afterwards sammy guevara comes out like his music hits and he walks uh, he walks in and he's basically just like i told you back in december that if anything happened again." I'm done. And something's happened. So I'm done. I quit. And he, when he said, I'm done, there's like MJF, who's standing behind Jericho, (laughs) almost like just looks at Wardlow, we're like, nailed it, got him. And then he quits. And Jericho sold this really, really well, where Jericho was like, no, because you're like a founding member of the Inner Circle. And he was really sad about it. And like MJF was trying to console him and stuff, but Jericho was just shrugging him off because he's lost He's lost one half of the sex gods. And it was a really, really nice moment for Jericho. And sort of like a fatherly moment where his son has walked away from him. And then Marvez tried to interview Sammy after the, you know, after the comeback from commercial break. And he's like, no, I just need to take some time away. I just need to take some time away from, from the inner circle, from this, from everything. And he just gets in the car and he drives off. So we're probably not going to see Sammy for a little while now. And then he can do the big sort of baby face return, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, if. Obviously, you want Sammy around, but I think if you're going to do this storyline right, a couple of months, a couple of oh, months, yeah. tell the story of MJF. You know, he's he's just like such an egotistical person. He needs to feud with someone. He will struggle with someone. And, you know, I think the next choice is, is going to be Jericho. He's going to start butting the heads with him. What I found really interesting about this was how the rest of the inner circle seemed to side with MJF. In the pre-match promo before the match, after the win, uh, Santana was right on MJF, checking him, seeing if he's okay. In the in the bit where Sammy said that he's done, it felt like no one was none of, none of the other guys were going. Oh no, st- no, stay, Sammy, stay. Like none of them did that apart from Jericho.
3: So God, what did MJF say to them last week behind closed doors? But it's not just what he said to them last week. It's all of the stuff he's been saying to them over the last couple of months since he joined. Like his plan has always been to get into their good books. You know, mm. it was that segment he had with Santana Ortiz talking about you know their relatives that have recently passed away and getting on their side. So he is a, he has manipulated them all to believe that he's that he's right and that Sammy is the one. Sammy's the real poison within the inner circle.
2: Yeah, it's it's great stuff. But yeah, I keep Sammy out for at least three months. MJF starts to attack Jericho and you finally have that moment where all the inner circle are beating down Jericho. My heart's breaking as I'm picturing this in my head. And then Sammy's music hits, whatever it is, I can't remember. And he runs down for the save. It's just a shame you won't have many fans there to do that in front of, because this is, you know, this is a story that's been going from the start of Dynamite.
3: Yeah, it's a long, old running story. Yeah, really, really long.
2: Really great. Uh, but then, you know, as if that wasn't enough, we cut backstage. Matt Hardy and Hangman Page are having drinks. They're knocking them back. They're having a good time. But every time Matt takes a drink, he actually chucks it on the floor. And But he's playing it up like, oh, man, I'm so drunk. I've had so many drinks with you. This is great. You can really knock them down. Ah, go on, do it. Sign, sign with me. Sign with the talent agency. I'll make you so much more money. And Page is like, you know what, sure. And he starts to, he gets the contract. Hardy then looks at the camera, you know, this idea of explaining why the cameraman's there filming these intimate moments. And he says, maybe a bit too loudly for a stage (laughs) whisper. The reason I've got you here is Hangman Page might wake up later and be angry. So I've got to show him this. So he actually has signed the contract, not under duress. But, and I didn't, I did not see this until, like, I read about it afterwards. While Hardy's saying that to camera, Hangman Page switches out the
3: contracts. <gasps> did he? I didn't Did you not see this that? either? No, I didn't see it. I, no, because I was like, I was actually quite, I was so sad at the end of the segment. because I was like, oh, no, I was like, oh, no, he signed the contract. I don't want him to sign the contract because private party can't get out of theirs. So I didn't spot that he switched over. That's so, oh, man, that's actually made my say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, Hardy, oh. Hardy, but like Hardy doesn't know. He goes back. He's like, Ah, oh, yeah, great, you're signed. So first of all, what amazing smart baby face booking? Page mm-hmm. isn't an idiot, even when he's drunk. You know, he he knows that something's up with Hardy, especially like after the tag match last week when Hardy just stole that pin at the end from him. But what do you think Page's
3: contract is? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even thought about that. That is actually. I just thought that maybe he just like flipped out for like a you know blank page or whatever it is. But no, he's actually. Yeah, it's different. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. I don't know. I don't know what well, I don't know what to say. Surely a match at Revolution singles match at Revolution.
1: Yeah. Or so
3: that makes
2: sense. or you release Private Party. I wouldn't have that because no, I quite like Heal Private Party. Or it's a six man. Of Matt Hardy and Private Party versus Hangman Page, he needs two guys to back him up. Silver, I mean, Silver. Reynolds,
3: yeah, that'd be really nice, like for a sign for a six man, because they are they're all teaming together next week. Um, they're in an eight man um, with Hangman and Private Party with Matt Hardy. So I think we're obviously we're going to find out next week what was actually on that contract. Oh, that's actually you know what. I was looking forward to that match anyway, because I wanted to see what the next step of this. I'm now way more looking forward to that match than it was at the start of this podcast review. Uh, after
2: this, we get uh, the latest Sting interview. I d- I don't hey, get hey, excited David, about hey, Sting. Hey, being... Guess what? Guess what? It seems to have the Titan Tron. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah. So... <clears throat> You know, every every episode of Dynamite now starts with, and Tony Schiavone will be talking to Sting later. I'm like, wh- who gives a crap now? He never says anything. It's always Team Taz interrupting, which is a shame because I thought this angle was actually really good. It cuts backstage after Taz interrupts before Sting's barely said a word. And what they've done, Team Taz, they have put Darby Allen in a body bag They've tied that body bag to a car and they drive around the car park.
3: Mm. Yeah, this segment would have been so much more effective if every single week since December 2nd, we've not had a Sting segment where Team Taz interrupts or Sting interrupts a Team Taz segment. I said this from the very get go. I'm a broken record at this point. You putting Sting on TV every single week diminishes the value of Sting. And that's and that's and that's a shame. But uh, you know what? It's not just true of Sting. It's true of all talent. Like that's why. And one of the AEW strength is that they are very restrained in putting out their talent every single week. FTR is one of the best tag teams they've got on roster. They're not on TV every single week, and that's fine because when they are on TV, it makes you want. I was like, oh, brilliant! FTR on TV next week. I better make sure I watch next week so I can see them wrestle. When you just keep saying Sting's on, show, Sting's on the show, Sting's on the show, Sting's on the show, Sting's on the show, and it's the same thing every single week, it's law of diminishing returns. And it's it has got to the point, I'm with you now, when they announce Sting is doing a segment with Tony Schiavone, like December 8th, I'm like, oh man, cannot wait to see that, absolutely cannot wait to see that. February 10th, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen it now, I've seen it for the past 10 weeks, so it doesn't have the same specialness that it once had.
2: Not terrible by a long shot, but I Absolutely think a not. massive amount of missed potential to have Sting come back and he already feels like part of the furniture. And a, a hoodlum! What a hoodlum. <clears throat> also, two, things that, two thing, other things that would have improved this segment. At the end of it, uh, commentary is screaming, oh, and Sting's in hot pursuit. He walked. He walked <clears throat> very slowly
3: off the stage. Oh, but Mr. Davis, this is stink. He, he walks with purpose. He's <laughs> always in hot pursuit. He's getting away very slowly.
2: <laughs> and the other thing was, as uh, Jonathan Hedman pointed out to me earlier, Darby loves this stuff. He was making short films a couple of months ago about him being pulled around in a body bag.
3: It tickles him. Of the time. Yeah, he was having oh. a brilliant time. <laughs>
2: Uh, After that, we got Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa in the first eliminated tournament match. I haven't actually got any notes for this. I just watched it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it I really like Layla Hirsch.
3: Thunder Rosa's great. Thunder Rosa won yeah yeah really really good stuff i think the the most interesting thing to talk about from this is that i'm guessing from the way that the it was sort of advertised because you know they're like we've got the us side of things we've got the japanese side of things here's all the women that are going to be on the japanese brackets which we went over last week and here's the matches that we're going to have within this tournament but crucially on the sort of announcement they had dynamite and they also had the youtube logo with aew's youtube channel which makes me think then that all the Japanese matches are going to be on the YouTube channel, like they were for the Tag Team <clears throat> Elimination Tournaments. Which, as we expected, is, exactly. Which, like, we sort of thought they would either do truncated versions and will just show you highlights on Dynamite, which they may still do. But the full matches will be on YouTube. Part of me is just like, yeah, that totally makes sense. The other part of me is just like, that kind of sucks because if it was a men's tournament. I don't think they would have had the same uh, treatment. I think they would have shown. I mean, they'd have just shown all the matches.
2: Uh, I don't know. It depends that the reason, if you didn't watch last week's episode, the reason we thought they might do it this way is because TNT is nationally broadcast. It's got certain production standards. You can't just start putting on, you know, well, like, I I don't know what they're going to be like, like the production of the Japanese matches, but it's not going to be the AEW production team filming them. Yeah. So if if they look exactly the same as an AEW match, then you sh- probably should put those on Dynamite, but I suspect they won't. That's what they're concerned about. Uh, but yeah, I do hope they'll have edited versions. Otherwise, we'll be in the same problem as we are with Kenta, where we won't know who these people are. And that you would have built it up on YouTube but that isn't the same audience that watches Dynamite on TNT. Which
3: Tony Khan knows. And we know that Tony Khan knows because he admitted this in an interview. Like this, is the interview he did after Full Gear, where it was like, yeah, I'm really like, I I, I should have noticed this earlier, but we built all of the storyline between Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida on Dark. But I should have realized that not everyone who's watching Dark is watching Dynamite. Or like every it's not the same, there isn't the exact same audience watching both shows. So that was a mistake that we had made. So I'm my hope would be that you would learn from that mistake. Someone mentioned in the comments, apparently all of them are being shown on Monday as well. Like so all, yeah. all four of them, all four being <laughs> then.
2: Um and finally, because we've already spoken about the main event, which was amazing, Jungle Boys Backstage with Tony Shivani talking about FTR. Well, he cuts... Uh, you know, I love Jungle Boy, so I just like him regardless. But it wasn't the strongest promo. It felt very wooden and, and sort of overly scripted. Uh, some of the, the the verbiage was a bit weirdly chosen. And ultimately, it was about Marco
3: Stump being kidnapped. And he didn't yes. really seem to care that much. Well, that's because Marco's fine. Like, they did say... Mar- like uh, Tony, like the interview, said, like, we found out last week that he kidnapped him. Marco's okay, though, so that's really good to hear. So he's back and he's fine. At least I get that's yeah. what I took from this. So yeah. I think that's probably why he was then just, you know, focused on um picking on uh, on FTR in his promo. I didn't yeah, I didn't
2: know if it doesn't really do anything for me that stuff.
3: It, it, it was, do you know do you know what Davis? It was fine. It was, to, fine. it was absolutely it was fine. Overall
2: though, I I you know, I loved this episode. I thought it was remarkable Sammy leaving the inner circle, that main event, that opener, the hangman page stuff like it's a four out of four, folks. But I've seen that the other four out of four shows were were
3: better. So it's a three out of four show? Help? Oh, I mean, I think I'm with you on that. Like, I would have given this episode a four out of five because I loved that main event, but I would not give it a five out of five. So going by that logic, then I should probably give it a three out of four. I mean, I'm just going to look at what the... Um, we put our poll up onto the WrestleTalk podcast channel to Ooh. see what you all thought. And actually 48% <coughs> said all the They gave it the five out of five. So that's nearly 50% of the votes that it was a five out of five show with, wow. 35%, with 35% saying it was four out of five. So that is like 85% of the vote thought it was four or five out of five.
2: while we do the, the Patreon shout-outs and have a vote in the community tab poll and, and join us over there. Go, everyone. How many people we got over there right now, Luke?
3: Uh, it's 769 people. So a thousand of you are still over on the Wrestle Talk channel. You've got one more week of it. Next week is the last week that these shows will be on there. So you, may, you can make the jump next week if you want, or pff, you can make the jump
2: now if you fancied it. Make the jump now. But now... Let's talk to our wonderful $25 a month or more pledge hammers on Patreon, who, along with everyone with a $5 a month or more pledge, will get the Wrestle Talk extra review about three hours worth of me and Luke talking about St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which had The Rock versus Mankind in a Last Man Standing match, Mr. McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a steel cage, and the Giants debut Big Show. And one of the
3: worst debuts ever. Not only that, but we spent about the first hour of the show looking at all of like the wrestling news of the time, including, bear in mind this is 1999, ECW's financial troubles and the worries that they <laughs> might go out of business. And um, Dave Meltzer reviewing what he called the worst episode of Nitro in history. And it is just, we go through like his stream of consciousness that he has where he felt like he had been taken to hell to watch nothing but Nitro for 24 hours and a match that he claimed lasted six whole weeks. It is a fabulous little read. It was a really fun episode to record. But thank you
2: to our $25 a month or more Patreons, Robert Spencer,
3: period. Woo. Yes, cheap pop. Nice get cheap pop along with it. The monster among Patreons. Ryan Strowman. The Vision,
2: Adonis. Oh, so beautiful. RoboCop.
3: Thank you. The Real Boss, Matt Robinson. Here's someone who's been with us for a very long time. How'd you like them apples? Marcel Jura. Thank you, Marcel. Michael Jensen Radio. Jensen, oh, radio. They drew First Blood, not me, Grace Rambo. Thanks, Grace. Nick, bitchin' kitchen. Oh, he said the B word. That means it's serious. <sighs> Tower of
2: London, Nigel Morris. That's a good name. You'll never get this name
3: right, you idiots. Matthew Zimczewski. Oh, very good. Talk about someone who's been with us for years. Like he was with the Dagnum Studios. He's been with mm. us. Um, former star athlete, <clears> now head coach, Len Dell Brenson, Long time Patreon backer.
2: <laughs> Chris Petro says, hello, my hey. friends smiley face with kenta i feel that it's really smart of new japan to promote the storyline with mox on aew tv as they aren't able to do so in japan it helps them to build up the upcoming 26th of february match
3: of the new beginning usa show i like it it is very smart doing and mox <clears throat> did plug that date you know in his promo i love that because you had mox plugging that date, and later on you had the good brothers plugging the impact hard to kill pay-per-view so it's like it's very very nice you just like every now and again be like hey we're going to be at these shows on March 6th on pay per view. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of stuff
2: about Sammy in the inner circle. Uh, Dan H., what if next week Sammy helps proud and powerful Santana Ortiz win the gold, setting up the revolution match versus Jericho and MJF? PMP is the real tag team, so them turning on the, I, the ice inner circle tag team makes sense for me. Okay, let's jam that jam because it's Thursday and you
3: know what that means. I think it's probably too early for them. I do only think you want to be taking the belts off the young bucks at the moment. Like that's not like the inner circle storyline doesn't need the belts.
2: Totally agree. Chuck Cassis. Did anyone notice that Sammy walked to the ring through the heel entrance and left through the face entrance? Love the show. Jam that jam. Wap is crude. Hail the all authority. Whap's Chuck, banging song. And a great, great uh, pointing out Sammy exiting there. Yeah. Alexis good. Ebden. Regarding the official tag team of the inner circle bit, have AEW actually acknowledged that? In my mind, that was the inner circle putting their own stipulation on the match so the AEW rankings and the Young Bucks don't see an official
3: team. That could very well be, but also, yeah, like maybe it's just an inner circle thing, but I mean, like they advertised it as that's what the stipulation of the match was. But yeah, like it's not, a, a, you're right, it's not like an AEW recognized thing. But it should
2: be an inner circle. Recognized thing, yeah. uh, good dharma. Who said heels versus heels don't work? Should watch the acclaimed versus MJF and Jericho to see how heels over heels the heels. How not to? <laughs> how do you not love the storytelling of AEW from the inner circle perspective? Sammy is selfish, and MJF from day one was caring. Someone on a MJF side what. there, but that is but that's right. the way that MJF has portrayed the whole thing. Love it rangers mayhem sammy heads to impact and does some matches in the x division the matches against chris bay tjp and ace austin would be amazing side note page learned from Brody lee to keep a roll of papers in your jacket that's nice. that's beautiful
3: that's really nice yeah i think so a few people say that sammy could go to to impact be quite interesting
2: sammy to new japan mixed it up in the super juniors Myron Speed, refreshing to see some smart characters for a change, Hangman making sure Hardy signed the switched contract, and Sammy taking the initiative to leave the inner circle before they turned on him. I popped for Sammy leaving through the babyface entrance.
3: Yeah, really, really nice touch to that.
2: James Hanley, with the acclaimed, I can never tell if I disliked them because they were heels and I was supposed to dislike them, or if I disliked them just in general. Last night they
3: went against MJF and I realised the former was true. Yes. Like that very nicely. Uh Steve Guzman says this episode was fantastic. I've really grown to love the acclaim. The entrance is one of the best in AEW. The Matt Hardy Hangman segment was great. And dear God, kenters double footstop Love AEW. Hope y'all are well. Oh Steven, thank you very much. Uh Matthew McFadden, I saw this on Twitter, so can't take credit for it. But where did Hangman Page learn to keep rolled-up papers in his jacket? Also, this episode was fantastic from start to finish. My favorite since winter is coming fantastic main event wow yeah I'm, i mean it was a great show i thought the tv specials that they've done were probably above it though yeah i'd agree um gabriel caruso do you think that aew will book santana and ortiz at the top of the tag division again or pentagon phoenix as the top of the card stars for like those four guys got left at the wayside even though <clears> they're <throat> in constant exposure i want them to have title runs
2: i mean you're talking to the converted gabriel it should have been pentagon phoenix and santana and ortiz all the time
3: yeah i I was going. it's we're still early doors of AEW. there's still very much time to do this but at the same time i also agree with you because i'm like but why but why Mm. not um james hanley for valentine's day i hope everyone get has someone in their lives who talks about them the same way (laughs) jr talks about picture in picture oh my restaurant quality girlfriend uh good dharma three out of four three out of four what three out of four wtf ollie wants from aew this wasn't a special episode but felt so special to me maybe it's because i'm into most of the storylines the main event looks amazing with all the belts and the briefcases four out of four for me i enjoyed it so much fair fair play to you yeah i like i said it's a
2: four out of four show uh sorry it's a four out of five show but it's Mm -hmm. it's just the
3: the limits of twitter uh, Nate S. What if the contract hangman signed out was a Dark Order contract they use, uh, used to use and a hangman just signed as a witness or something, trying to make amends with Dark Order by giving them a new member in Matt Hardy?
2: Maybe. I mean, they did interact with each other when he was going backstage.
3: Yeah. And Matt Hardy was going to be the you know it was the original plan to be the leader of the Dark Order before mm. they realized that it was probably too obvious. Everyone had figured it out, so they made it to Brodie Lee instead. Bacon Rasher, afternoon lads. Question for today. Hope you're listening, Luke. Um, Sawyer says, no, I'm kidding. Um, Which comes first? Omega defends his AEW title or challenges for a different title? On the whole, AEW a top show again and NXT was great too. Vengeance Day has a great card. Jam that jam. Yeah. Uh, I think
2: he defends his AEW title first. A revolution. Surely we're getting a, maybe a Lance Archer match, I reckon at this point. Mm,
3: that's really a good shot actually yeah with hint. i loved that like all three of them it's taking three people to hit the one-winged angel and i thought it was a yeah. really nice touch uh soya yeah, said so should AEW have commentary simply shoot explain to viewers that the nature of the business prevented them revealing john moxley's work in title new japan up until now and recent developments have lifted those restrictions or were that exposed too much
2: i don't think you have to do the shoot version you can just say look here's what moxley won at the start
3: of last year before the yeah. pandemic just just explain it like that tom daniels hi guys first ever wrestle talk super chat in my opinion the reason why proud and powerful versus the young bucks is great is because one proud and powerful eliminated the bucks in the battle royal two the good brothers use proud and powerful in the inner circle to take heat off themselves three it's proud and powerful versus the young bucks i mean that last point is correct though really isn't it that's a good one yeah Yeah. Just Johnny, I was watching the Gun Club's AEW Instagram story where they recorded snippets during Dynamite from the crowd. And while Pac's entrance was happening, one of the wrestlers in the crowd said, Wait, so Pac's a face now in the distance?
2: (laughs) He's a bastard. He needs his own entrance.
3: I mean, he needs to come up from the stage like a gremlin. Like Cody does. Like, why does Cody get the middle entrance? That should be Pac's thing, the bastard entrance. Uh, Gabriel Caruso, I just realised that Money Matt gimmick is a Vince McMahon parody. I don't think it's a Vince parody. It's a mob boss parody. Um, oh yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's either of those as a parody. I never thought it was a Vince McMahon thing. It's just uh, Big Money Matt's been a character he's done for many years.
2: The the contract stuff is riffing on WWE's recent contract negotiations with talent that, because there's yeah. been the stuff with the third parties. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but my point was Big Money Matt's been around for. Eons yeah, eons at this point. Uh Leon Quashi going to bet that Shaq cuts a promo mocking Cody's torn rotator cuff by the end of next week. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess today is the inside base basketball day. And baseball. Know. Yep. He does the baseball, right? Touchdown. New punk Rand says, I love dynamite. All the stories are great to me. The inner circle buy me my favorite <laughs> one. I love the acclaim. Just bring back Tude Guerrero free the juice. <laughs> Everyone's got to have their Hilton guy on. Wrestling talk sign guy.
2: I think one of the first things that started killing WCW was the NWO destroying everyone each week, where you stopped expecting anything else, and the actual promotion looked weak and stupid. At what point do you think the Bullet Club elite gets too powerful?
3: I would say with the NWO thing because it was happening on every <clears> single week, and it was like they would beat up forty guys like in the process. At this point, they're only being able like one or two guys, and also like it was forty guys every single week for three years. So I don't think we. I, I do think there could be a point where that happened, but I would like to think perhaps this is me putting too much, um, too much hope and 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 hope you know too much hope on one company. But I'd like to think they would know it was getting stale before. Like they, they, you know, and they stopped doing it. You know what I mean?
2: Plus, they give so much to the other guys in the match. It's a mm-hmm. very different dynamic. Uh, the jam one, Ryan B. Jam. Potential crossover matches. I now want to see part one Cobb versus Derby, Susie, uh, Suzuki versus Miro. Yes. I love that one. Osprey versus Pack. Ishimori vs. Jungle Boy, GOD vs. LAX, Jay White vs. Hangman Page, Kenta vs. Penta, Leah Rush vs. Phoenix, Saber Jr. vs. Kingston. This show was so good. Continues. And again, Dream Matches Part 2. Yano vs. Jericho, Okada vs. Cody, Abushi vs. Mox, Naito vs. Starks, Hiroshi vs. MJF, Evil vs. Versus... OC, Orange oh, Orange Cassidy, Hiromu versus Sammy, Ishii versus Dustin, and Sonada versus Scorpio Sky. Also, give me Pac and Phoenix versus Good Brothers at Revolution for the Impact Tag Titles. Oof, there's a
3: lot of, uh, like a lot of good matches on there. Yeah, a lot of great matches on that. I particularly like Yano versus Jericho. I think that would be really, really hmm. fun, actually. And like Ibushi, no, Ibushi Box had no, sorry, Ibushi Mox had one of my favorite matches from last year's G One or the year before's G One, rather.
2: Leon Kwashi. I would be down with a match of the day style recap of the Japanese women's bracket on Dynamite. Also, NXT was great. Cameron Grimes may now be my new favorite character on Wednesday nights. Uh, damn, I praise the opposition. Uh, gonna miss out on my Khan coin. Have you heard awesome, mate, about really? Grimes's have you heard about Grimes' new I gimmick? Have,
3: I actually haven't seen it yet, but I know that Brian Alvarez has called it the um uh, the best promo of the decade. So I'm I'm really looking forward to watching it at some point. He he put all his money in GameStop.
2: And made a fortune, <laughs> and then put all that money in in cryptocurrency, and made even more a fortune. And he's now the richest man in the world. <laughs> Brilliant!
3: That's so good.
2: Uh, Bacon Rasher, hold on, Mister Davis. Sting talks every week, same as Edge. Currently, that young up-and-start going to mania as a big new star. Goldberg goes away,
3: then comes back for something, and you get mad. Sting talks every. So what you're saying there is that you're complaining because Sting talks on TV every week, but Edge is also talking on TV every week, plus we and on top of that, we got mad that Goldberg went away and then came back. So like you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have someone yes. on TV every week. You can't be mad at someone talking on TV every single week. But you also can't be mad for people only showing up every now and again.
2: Well, I think people keep misunderstanding the Goldberg Edge
3: problem, and that's that they're going for the main title. Well, yes, I know, but they're also, like, I think some people just see it as black and white. And also, like, I think there's a a very different thing between sort of the Goldberg Edge thing as well as the difference between the Goldberg Sting thing as well. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't think that, but I still stand by, don't have Sting on TV every week. Mm. Zachary Jenkins says, Guys, thanks for getting me into AEW. I may be an NXT mark, but I'm a wrestling fan first. Uh, But can we talk about how we might get a five star this weekend on NXT with Gargano versus Kushida and Bala versus Dunn? Bala versus Dunn, by the way, I'm super excited for. Like Gargano versus Kushida has got, like Zachary's dead, five stars written all over it.
2: Yeah, I I mean, obviously, Gargano Kushida is going to be amazing, but Bala versus Dunn. Christ alive, because I love Kushida, oh. I love the way he works, but character-wise,
3: he never really grabs me, but Balor and Dunn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, please, mate. Uh, but Wayne, True Heel Heat merges with the official uh, partner of Mission Pro Wrestling, Guerrilla Press for Thunder, Roses, Mission Pro Wrestling's em- empty promises, March 20th, 2021. Stay tuned for more details. Add up to there have been six IWGP US champions and four of them are now in AEW. Can you name them all? Was Cody Kenny mark
2: chris jericho
3: yeah and four of them are in AEW now so that's the four yeah yeah hey, that was easy <laughs> we've, we've actually um we've actually held cody's um united states championship belt we were in yes. the ring with him with brandy uh and lastly the Zorni said just wanted to donate what's your t-shirt size
2: butch obviously it's <laughs> Um but uh, th- thank you very much for the thought but uh, we're not really sort of accepting any gifts sent to us because we're not in the office it's hard to keep track of COVID yada 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 but thank you very much for the thought become a Patreon that's the best way to help support us uh, but that's all we've got time for today thank you everybody for joining us we went over an hour again
3: remember uh, sorry, wrestle- it was Archer, not Jericho Jericho wasn't the champion Jericho was Intercontinental uh, champion
2: uh, of course okay well yeah. done
3: i show you something that i think will possibly blow your mind always and even as i said i don't think it will like it's it's either going to blow your mind or you're going to look at it and be like huh yeah it's interesting it might not even yeah. say it's interesting it might even be just the latter half of you know the the, four, <sighs> the first half of that latter option but um long term listeners will know that i recently had to go to the dentist uh, and have a tooth taken out because it had split. And so I just had to have the whole thing removed. So I've now got a gap where a tooth used to be. So the other day, I went to go to the dentist because it had been a month since I had it taken out just to see how I was getting on. He asked the questions, you know, is it, does it hurt? And I said, no, it doesn't. It just felt like I'd burnt the roof of my mouth on pizza for a little bit. And then after that, it just completely healed. Now it's actually fun. I don't even notice. I'm actually chewing on both sides of my mouth again. He said, have you managed to get a peanut stuck in there yet? And I said, no, not yet. It hasn't <laughs> happened. And I've been eating peanuts. But, um, So, we went to go and have a checkup. Now, this tooth has been troublesome to me because I had to have a filling in it, then I had to have a root canal in it, then I had to have it taken out. And that's annoying because all of my other teeth are fine. Do you know how I know they're fine? Because my dentist said, Oh, your other teeth are fine. Absolutely nothing needs doing, apart from the hygienist. But that's, I'm pretty sure that's a long con that all dentists do. So, so, you know, just get more money in there. Always make you go see the hygienist. And I also know because he, and I'm going to share my screen they did a 3d scan of my teeth
2: right i can see your smiling mashers in 3d
3: here they literally like just had like they had a lady just like basically just move this thing around my mouth and they took a scan like a live image scan that was rendering out in real time of my teeth rather than just doing an x-ray and this is like this is my mouth you can even see there. That's the chip I've got on my front tooth. Yeah,
2: I know the chip.
3: There's the wow, there and there. there's the missing one. Yeah, I can even go like stuff into, my I can, hole. I can even see like the view of my mouth from the POV of my tongue. Like, what oh, that's what your sees. tongue sees. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it. I, I was kind of sort of blown away by this. I can like zoom in. I can zoom out. Look, look how cool this is.
2: Yeah. Not the most audio-friendly content, is it? Well, no,
3: obviously not. I can separate them out. There's the upper.
2: There's just the upper teeth. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa.
3: What's that in the bottom right? Does that say Invisalign? <laughs> Invisalign? Um, I know, yeah, I think that's the, the company. Yeah, why? Are you going to get Invisalign? No, what's Invisalign? Invisalign, a fancy, luxury,
2: expensive braces that um, push people's teeth into place but only over the course of about two to three months. And they are almost naked, almost invisible to the naked eye.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I, I'm not, no, this. I think this was just the company that they were using to do like the, the teeth scan thing, but it was like, that's was where kind of, it's like,
2: going. You're talking about you the reckon? hygienists going to upsell you. They're going to picture uh, an Invisalign. They're going to go, Hmm. Are you happy with your tooth being one millimeter out? And you'd be like, yeah, it's one millimeter. And then they go, OK, and then that's that's the seed that's planted in the root of your subconscious. And you'll notice that tooth over and over again, like my bottom tooth. You see that? Mm-hmm. See the bottom row? How it's just there's one there's one that's <laughs> not in line with all the others. <laughs> I don't think that it's
3: fine. One of the things that he did say, because, he, you know, he said, like, have you thought about getting uh, something to replace where the gap is? I said, not really, because it doesn't hurt at the moment. He said, that's fine. I wouldn't give it any thought for another six months to a year yet anyway. But it is something you do want to talk about. And he went through the options with me again of what he can do. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think about it, it's quite expensive. So, you know, I'll, I'll certainly give it some thought. He's like, I mean, I certainly would, because I have seen some cases where, because there's now a gap there, the tooth that's below it um, isn't getting any resistance. Nothing's stopping <gasps> it anymore. So it could just grow upwards. What? Teeth don't do that, surely? Well, that's what I thought. But he was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, no, I've seen it happen. No, he's having you on. <laughs> I thought he wasn't. <laughs> this is why I was like, this is how you're trying to get me to get a cap, isn't it? Or you're trying to get me to get like an implant or something to stop a tooth growing into a monster tooth. If, you say, if,
2: you're,
3: if, if you're telling me,
2: <laughs> you telling me that if I walk around with my mouth open for six months, my teeth are going to get longer to a year. I oh, don't believe it. No, that's uh I mean it sounds like it could happen but it also sounds like that particular kind of gallows humor that dentists often have where mm. you can't tell if they're joking or not.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Did I he mean. look like he was joking? Oh no, he was 100% serious the whole time. Maybe it's a cool look though. A dent a, a sort of wrestler would kill for a, a back fang. They could build a whole gimmick around it. It's difficult to see, though. Like, you know, I mean, uh, people who've watched the video version of this will have noticed that no one has spotted the fact that I've got a missing tooth at the moment because it's so far back in, the, uh, so far back in my mouth.
2: Well, that's the purpose of the Titan Tron. So when you come out, the Titan Tron would just be that 3D render of your, of your mouth <laughs> and your teeth.
3: With the one big tooth.
2: Yeah. What would the entrance music be? Just a drill?
3: Well, that was uh, uh, Isaac Yankum's, which mm. uh, yeah, was just sure. like, the bzzz, 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 like that sort of thing. How good that impression was! It was actually pretty what, impressive. What could you have there? What and to replace it, an implant, yeah, um, which would basically just be a fake tooth that will go in there. A denture um, would go in there, but obviously I've got to have like you know almost like a mouth brace for that, or a uh, what's the other one? There's like another one as well, which basically is just like um a, they call it a bridge, which basically just sort of like sits. Mm. It actually puts like fake teeth. To actually, I mean, I know someone did tech, like DM me, also sent me a message on Twitter to be like, please don't tell any more dentist stories because I'm trying to weep while I listen to this podcast and it makes me feel a bit queasy but you know what's about a bridge on? They have to shave down the other teeth like by half so they can put like essentially fake bottoms onto that teeth and then attach the middle one that's going to replace the the gap and it was like, I know it sounds backwards because you're essentially taking away two teeth to replace one yeah
2: Yeah, it does sound backwards. It sounds like the exact sort of stuff that we'll look back on in 50 years and go, they did that in dentistry. But now we've just got the holographic teeth that easily fit in there. (laughs) Have I told you about my veneers story? No, I think so. I accompanied a uh, a family member when they went to get veneers uh, because they were afraid. And I sat in the operating room with them reading comics. And halfway through, the procedure, so about an hour in. Do you know what they do to fit veneers? It's very similar to what you just described, but to to have the, you know, the fake teeth, the veneers fitted to your actual teeth, they don't shave down the teeth. They file them into jagged points. So you can just slot the teeth in. And uh the, the person getting it done sort of sat up and they're a bit woozy from the drugs. And they said, how do I look? kind of oblivious, they smiled at me, a mouth <laughs> full of bloody, filed down teeth, and I couldn't hide my surprise and horror. Just, oh my god, you look fine. Oh god. Oh my god, you look fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's only an hour left.
1: <laughs> Does it True. have
2: to be a fake tooth, though,
3: that you're getting there?
2: Can you have can... maybe a wireless radio?
3: Um, I mean that wasn't an option that uh my dentist presented to me, but um but I mean if anyone wants to message uh actually, do you know what we've got a pretty you know we're we've got a wrestling following here. I'm gonna ask everyone to send Dr. Britt Baker a message on Twitter <laughs> if that two stories true. Like just all like just don't don't tag us, don't tag Wrestle Talk, don't tag either no. one of me and Ollie. Just ask, like if everyone asks. I've heard this story about teeth just constantly growing if there's no tooth above it. Is there any truth to that? If every, no, no, no. like, if all of a sudden she just goes into a, a Twitter mentions and there's like 50 people who've all asked the same question, do you think she'll go, like, I should answer at least one of them? And then we'll know. But
2: do tag us. Dude, look, we're, we're, too, we're bad at this social media game. <laughs> We could go
3: viral. That's what the well, companies no, you know, say, isn't it? No, but don't tag us because then she'll know that it's mm. a wrestling thing. Like if we're if we're positioning this as like a, I've just got a, a dentist question.
2: I think you want to put something useful there. You can turn your mouth into some kind of Swiss Army mouth.
3: Mm-hmm. Get your, like, a can little opener.
2: can opener. That's probably what you were using your teeth for anyway.
3: Legit friend of mine, Splat, at university, used to open Splat. up a um, bottle. Splat. He used to Rejected open up Rejected retribution member. Mouth. Yeah. He used to open up beer bottles with his mouth. He'd he basically just be like, like, no one's got a bottle open. He'd like, shh, just bite it off and hand it back to you. How did you chip your front tooth? Was I there? No, 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 this was when I was a, I was a kid. I mm. was, um, it was during swimming lessons, in fact, and I had to, um, one of the swimming things to get a badge was to swim down to the bottom of the pool, grab a brick, and then um, swim back up to the <laughs> surface. Not what a real say,
2: brick, but like a sort of
3: float brick. The, yeah, the, the float brick things that sink to the bottom. Not all, a brick right? from our house. No. And then you throw, hold it up and be like, got the brick. Or you have to swim to the end or something along those lines. Anywho, I don't know why. I got it into my head that I'd have to have my eyes closed. Otherwise, the water and the chlorine is going to get into my eyes. So I just dove down to the bottom of the swimming pool with my eyes closed. And oh. I found the bottom of the swimming pool with my mouth. And I just Ouch. chipped my tooth on the uh, the, the floor oh. of the swimming pool. I was lucky that it's only tiny. Like, it's only yeah. a tiny chip.
2: Ouch. Mm. why well, I'm, I'm sure the uh, the people who hated us talking about dentistry <laughs> last time are loving this
3: and that is all we've got time for on this edition of the rest of podcast thank you all so much for listening i'm back tomorrow with denise salcedo doing the magazine show and your patreon mailbag questions and then randy and pete will be back for the third most listened to podcast uh, sorry the fourth <laughs> most listened to podcast in the rest podcast family. thank you all so much for listening take care I love you goodbye
1: Let's now it's